This podcast is for the woman who thinks she cannot change, the one who feels lost and can't seem to find her way, or longs to walk confidently and find the grace to finally forgive herself. If you've tried it all, given up a thousand times, or wrestle with what you've done and who you've become, you're in the right place. If you've ever searched, how can I ever forgive myself on the internet? Take a listen to The Grace Frontier. As one who's walked this path before, I love to connect with women to inspire them to walk in wholeness and live in victory. Hi, I'm Amy Elaine Martinez, and you're listening to The Grace Frontier Podcast. I'm a self-proclaimed grace slinger and victory girl, and I'll be your truth-telling trail guide on these episodes, helping you to sift through the lies and teaching you how to journey with Jesus, travel light as you unpack the baggage of your past hurt, shame, and regret, identify your pioneer spirit and defining moments that mark you for eternity, and learn to forge your way to newfound freedom, a deeper faith, and self-forgiveness. Each week, you'll hear how you can make lasting change in your life. In these short episodes, we'll talk about enjoying the wildlife, finding the wonder, and most importantly, finding your way through to the other side of your desert wilderness seasons. Girl, you're not lost because X marks your spot. Grace paves the way and victory is your destiny. It's time to get out of your comfort zone and on to the Grace Frontier. Welcome to the Grace Frontier podcast. I'm your host, Amy Elaine Martinez. Last week, we looked through the lens of grace to reframe and redeem the not-so-family-friendly story of Lot's daughters. In that scenario, we seriously needed to take a second look at how grace showed up in their lives. But in this week's episode, we're going to find out it only takes one glance. This week, I want to introduce you to a new friend. She's a mover and a shaker in the kingdom of God. Her name is Rebecca, and we find her story in Genesis 24. This past weekend, I was at Refine Retreat in Ohio, where I met several Rebeccas. I didn't let it escape me that I was working on this very episode, and God was making it clear that I was on the right track for this week's teaching. Then, as I was flying home, I sat by the most delightful young married couple who were on their way to Hawaii to spend a few days, and we talked for almost four hours about Jesus and life and the church. At one point, the sweet young bride leaned in and said, Do you believe in love at first sight? And I said, I absolutely do. Then we shared our stories of how we first met our husbands, and again, I felt a little God nudge that indeed this week's episode was precisely what the Holy Spirit was writing on my heart to share with you. If our comfort zones delay our destinies, what happens when we begin to live lives of diligence, devotion, duty, and delight all at the same time? What happens if we're willing to step out of our comfort zones like we will see Rebecca do as she is given the choice to go or stay, remain comfortable or risk it all? And not only will she find the adventure of a lifetime, but true love in the face of the unknown. The most remarkable thing about Rebecca is her servant heart, a heart willing to be uncomfortable for the sake of others. Today, we're going to be in Genesis 24. 
This is the love story of how Abraham finds a suitable bride for his son Isaac. Our key verse is verse 2440, where Abraham says, Yahweh, in whose presence I have walked all these years, will send his angel with you and will make your mission successful. This confirms for us that our faith journeys take years of walking it out with Jesus. And verse 67, where the Bible tells us about Rebecca, it says, so she became his wife and he loved her. I love the simplicity of that. Y'all, there's more than a love story, more than a love at first sight love story here for us. If you haven't noticed, each week as we've been looking at Old Testament stories, we've found subtle hints of a much bigger love story, our own redemption story, pointing us to Jesus and his bride, the church. Yes, Jesus is all over the Old Testament, and the gospel is shown and paralleled in story after story. God wants us to know and understand his heart for us so much so that he divinely inspired every word to point to the word, to Jesus and his love for the big C church and his people, which leads us to our last key verse for this week, which we find in 2 Peter 3, 9. In the Amplified Bible, it says, the Lord does not delay as though he were not able to act and is not slow about his promise as some count slowness, but is extraordinarily patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. The Bible's overarching theme is the goodness of God, the patience of God's grace, and that in Jesus, we know the greatest story, the greatest love story ever told, prepared and continues to make a way for our own redemption. I cannot wait to show you how Rebecca's story points us to Jesus, how we too can have a willing servant heart that will lead us to our God-given destinies and make us a mover and a shaker in the kingdom of God too. Genesis 24 is the story of how Father Abraham sent his trusted head servant out to find a bride for his only son, Isaac. Can you already hear the parallels there? This story illustrates how God is sending the Holy Spirit out to find a willing bride for Jesus. We don't have time to read and cover all that is in this story. So again, I just encourage you to go and read this story for yourself in Genesis 24. Our grace marker is this divine setup for Rebecca's destiny. Y'all, she was just doing her everyday thing and God dropped her destiny into her lap. There's something to that for sure. Doing the next thing in front of us will eventually lead us to our destiny. Obedience and diligence are key. We find that Abraham was so confident in God that he would care enough about Isaac, whose story is a picture of Jesus, Abraham's only beloved son, that he knew God would make the servant's mission successful. God's angels would go before him and X would mark the spot multiple times in this story. In the first half of this chapter, Abraham sends out his servant and gives him exact instructions for finding a wife for his son. The servant knows how important this mission is, and he prays for success and makes some pretty specific requests of God so that he will know beyond a shadow of a doubt which girl is the right one, the chosen one. 
He goes to the well at the time of the day when the daughters of the local families will be drawing water and prays something like, when I ask for water or a drink, may she offer to give my camels a drink as well. Then I'll know that this is the one. And the Bible says in Genesis 24, 15, suddenly, before he had finished his prayer, there was Rebecca approaching the well with a jar on her shoulder. Take note, this is not the only woman at the well story in the Bible, but while there are a lot of similarities to the story in John 4, today I'm going to stop myself from jumping ahead and stay right here with Rebecca's story. But what I will say is, she does offer a drink when asked, and this is our defining moment. May we, like Rebecca, also offer a drink to the thirsty ones we meet. We never know how the small things we do in the kingdom will be multiplied to bless others or how they will lead to our promotion or destiny and how they'll grow the kingdom of God in the process. Rebecca is indeed the answer to the servant's prayer as she is humble and has a willing servant heart that goes above and beyond. She willingly helped the stranger and met the immediate need to water his camels, all without being asked to do so. We'll see later how she comes from a God-fearing family. So it's plausible to say that something inside of her listened to that still small voice, maybe she too had a little God nudge to serve. For this one small act of kindness leads to her destiny. Interestingly, Rebecca's name means captivating or to ensnare, much like Hagar's name. She does both to Isaac, ensnaring him in the best of ways, capturing and captivating his heart. Oh, there are just so many interwoven details here and all throughout the Bible. I hope that you're catching some of these as you're reading along. As the story continues, as soon as the servant knows Rebecca is the one, he puts a gold ring in her nose and golden bracelets on her wrist. After she's finished watering all 10 of the camels, she runs back to town to tell her family they have guests that are coming to stay. Her brother Laban sees her running and the gold jewelry dangling from her wrist and knows that something significant has taken place. Change is in the air. We see in verses 28 through 61 how this story unfolds. Rebecca's family understands that this is no ordinary day. After hearing all that has happened, her brother and family say, This was all planned by Yahweh. If this is his plan, what can we say? Here stands our Rebecca before you. You may take her and go and let her marry your master's son and fulfill Yahweh's plan for her. The servant and his caravan of men and camels stay the night, and first thing in the morning, he asks to be on their way. Though sad to see her go, they call for Rebecca to see what she has to say about leaving so soon. When asked, will you go with this man? She answers, I will gladly go with him. So they sent her away with this blessing. Our dear sister, may you become thousands of thousands. May your descendants gain possession of the city gates of their foes. Destiny is thick and heavy in the air, much like the Abrahamic blessing that foretold of many descendants and possessing the land once held by God's enemies. One commentary suggests that this is a prophetic promise of the ability to reach cities for God, saying the city-reaching power comes when God's people live a willing life 
willing to walk with a heart like Rebecca. Rebecca was willing to shake things up, get out of her comfort zone, and move to a faraway land in order to walk out her God-given destiny. May we be like Rebecca. This journey into the unknown to meet her future husband would have taken over a month of walking and traveling miles upon miles every day. Don't you know she dreamed of what he might look like, how her life would be changed, both with fear and excitement and apprehension and expectation, too. All the feels for all the things. I'll just read a portion of the last part of Genesis 24. The last part of this chapter goes something like this in verses 61 through 67. At last, Rebekah and her maidservants all went out, mounted the camels, and followed Abraham's trusted servant back toward Canaan. This is how the servant found Rebekah and took her to be Isaac's wife. Isaac meets Rebekah. Meanwhile, Isaac, who was living in the southwestern desert of Canaan, had just come back to his camp from the well of the living one who watches over me. Isaac went out in the evening into the field to meditate. He looked up and saw camels coming in the distance. As Rebecca got closer, she raised her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she nearly fell off her camel. She whispered to the servant, Who is that man walking in the field toward us? Why, he's the one about whom I told you. That's my young master, the servant said. So Rebecca quickly took her veil and covered her face. Then the servant began to explain to Isaac in detail all the amazing things that had happened. Isaac fell in love with Rebecca. He took her to be his wife, and they were married, and he brought her into his mother Sarah's tent. In this way, Isaac was greatly comforted after his mother's death. When they were a ways off, Rebecca sees a man and asks, who is that man? When their eyes meet, I love how the Passion Translation says she fell off her camel like she swooned and fainted. She was knocked off her feet, undone at the sight of him. Just one look, love's first sight. Another commentary mentioned Isaac may have been radiant because he was in the field meditating and spending time with God. When their eyes locked, Y'all, it just one glance, that's all it took. I love that the Bible goes into detail and says that he has just returned from the well of the living one who watches over me. Y'all, that's Hagar's well. Nothing is by accident here. I love it. Yes, it was love at first sight. Their eyes locked just like doves' eyes. You know, doves mate for life. They have binocular vision. They're only able to focus on one thing and see one thing at a time. This is where X marks a spot that we want to hone in on to get a glimpse of what it's like to have intimacy with God, to spend time with Him and be radiant, to know Him when we see Him, to move like He moves and do what we see Him doing. Just like Jesus said, He only did what He saw His Father doing. This is what it means to have dove's eyes like the Bible talks about in Song of Songs 115 and 2, 10 through 15. I'm just going to read a tiny bit of it here where it says, My darling, you're so lovely. You are beauty itself to me. Your passionate eyes are like gentle doves. 
This passage reminds me so much of the scene with Isaac and Rebecca. It goes on to say, The one I love calls to me. Arise, my dearest. Hurry, my darling. Come away with me. I have come, as you have asked, to draw you to my heart and lead you out. For now is the time, my beautiful one. The season has changed. I hear the cooing of doves in our land, filling the air with songs to awaken you and guide you forth. Can you not discern this new day of destiny breaking forth around you? The early signs of my purposes and plans are bursting forth. The budding vines of new life are now blooming everywhere. The fragrance of their flowers whispers, there is change in the air. Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me. For you are my dove. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes of worship and lovely your voice in prayer. This is what intimacy with God looks like. This is what it means to be bride-eyed. If Rebecca is a picture of the servant bride of Christ, this first meeting is a picture of Jesus and his bride meeting. He loves his bride immediately and wholeheartedly looks at her with adoration. And when their eyes meet, it's something beautiful, a beautiful encounter where the soul-searching bride becomes soul-filled. Yes, Rebecca was so filled up with the servant spirit that she could pour out to others from the spring of water. And don't miss this. The word for spring here means I. Just another reference to being bride-eyed. To see a need and meet it with the refreshing love of God. Rebecca's diligence, devotion, and duty don't delay her destiny. No, each of these things directs her steps straight for her God-given destiny. She stepped out of her comfort zone to go to a faraway land, the unknown, for this was her destiny, and she was delighted to do so. Where in our lives can we say, I will gladly go with him, when the Holy Spirit beckons us away to the wilderness to journey with Jesus, even when it hurts and even when it gets uncomfortable? The trustworthy servant praised God, thanking him for leading him perfectly on the path to find this bride. Today, God is still sending Holy Spirit to go out before us in search of the bride. Now is the time for us to get serious about walking on that path with him towards our destiny and becoming a mover and shaker in the kingdom. It's time to ask questions like, what's taking our eyes off of Jesus? What in our lives needs to be shaken up so that we might find that the truest treasures in this life are people? God calls us to be city reachers like Rebecca and do the things he has called us to do. My question for you this week is, how can you be more devoted to God this week? What distractions can you lay down and instead pick up his word, spending time with him and being wholeheartedly willing to focus on helping him find his bride, to be made ready ourselves as the bride of Christ? Before we go, I want you to see that this is where God is calling us to be more like Jesus, to know whom we serve, to be bride-eyed, and to look at him with such devotion that others take notice and see it on our faces and say, who is this man? Who is this man that you are following? 
So I'll leave it here with you, friends. Let's be bride-eyed, ready to serve with a willing heart, to share the living water that we've found, to go above and beyond, to be a mover and a shaker, whatever it takes to find the willing bride, those who will hear the gospel and see the love God has for them and respond. If we will just get out of our comfort zones and stay devoted to him, enough to let our lives be a testimony of God's love for people, with a willing heart like Rebecca, we can make our move, shake things up, and take the land and reach our cities for Christ. This is what it means to be a mover and a shaker. Until next week, happy trails, sweet friend. Thanks for hanging out with me on the Grace Frontier today. What did you think of that episode, friend? I pray it met you exactly where you needed it to. If you'd like to come and spend some time with me online, you can find the links in the show notes to do just that. My handle on Instagram and Facebook is at Amy Elaine Writes. Or you can check out my website at amyelaine.com. Before you go, could you take a second to see if God would have you pass this episode on to a loved one or a friend? Take a pause and see if he places a face or a name on your heart. If someone comes to mind, text or DM them a link to this episode so that they can learn and grow and find freedom and healing through the words God gave me for this particular episode. And if today's message from the Grace Frontier touched you, it would be the nicest gift ever if you could take a moment to write a heartfelt review on Apple or wherever you listen to the podcast. It helps to encourage others to check out this show for themselves. Until next time, remember that the wilderness isn't a wasteland like the enemy wants you to believe, but it's exactly where God wants you to be. Because X marks the spot where grace finds you and me.